Muslims, unfortunately, we don't agree on anything. And even when it comes to halal, you know, we're frequently arguing about what is permissible and what is not. Uh, even something as simple as food, which, you know, normally it's quite unambiguous, but with technology that comes about. So I know there's this um, argument about how do you, when they have those automated uh, slaughter lines, is, it, is that allowed? So they're slaughtering chickens instead of by hand. You cannot do this at scale. So you still need machines to do the slaughtering. So they, they pass them through the machines and it's slaughtering. It's the machine that's doing the slaughtering. And there's like, like a loudspeaker that goes bismillah in the background. And people are debating, is this allowed? Is this not allowed? And so this is, is, this is troublesome. So Taka Talks, exposing financial systems. One story at a time. So, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tekka Talks. Today we have with us uh, Diane, and I'm going to butcher the last name, but I'm going to try anyway. Diane de Saint Chamarin, and what? she is the co. Oh, thank you. That she is the co-founder of Wasabbih, um, and Wasabbih is creating the world's largest online community for professionals to connect and businesses to grow in the halal economy. Halal is not just about food. Okay, this is the mistaken uh, perception. It's a way of life that encompasses all sectors and promotes a more sustainable and equitable way of doing things. On Wasabih, we aim to promote those values, or they aim to promote those values. Um, Diane, can you please um, tell us about yourself? Tell us about your journey to, to founding Wasabih. Sure. Thank you very much, Shireen and Morad as well for having me on the show. Uh, so I'm Diane de Saint-Chamaran. You did it quite well. I'm impressed. Uh, I'm French, uh, originally from France, born in Paris, and, um, and I'm the co-founder of Wasabe. Um, I currently live in Bangkok. So if you can hear the rain, maybe behind me, it's because we are in the middle of the monsoon season right now. Um, and, uh, and I met my co-founder, Mamadou in Malaysia. Uh, we, we were there community builders uh, aiming at promoting the French tech in Malaysia, which is a community of uh, professionals in tech and uh, startup founders. And immediately we, we matched uh, in terms of values and ethics. And, uh, and that's why we wanted as well to, to, to promote these values uh, that are also part of the halal economy, as you said, um, in order to make it so, to, to break the kind of ideas that people have about the halal economy. Um, as you said, Wasabi, we're trying to create the largest online community for professionals to connect and businesses to grow in the halal economy, promoting a way of life and a way of doing business that is more sustainable, fair, equitable for men and women uh, who are professionals all around the world, whatever the sector, it, it's not just about food, uh, even though a lot of people, even Muslims, think it is about food only. No, it's also Islamic finance, modest fashion, um, halal cosmetics, Muslim-friendly travel, and so on and so forth, because it's a way of life. It's a way of doing things. Um, and we saw that, actually, we have these values that are really the, the core of our team for Mamadou and I. And, um, and we saw that the professionals had difficulties to connect uh, in the halal economy. So we wanted to help them uh, to connect in an easier way um, through this platform. 
if you go on LinkedIn, if you go on Facebook and all the other mainstream platforms, they do not really cater um, the search for halal professional. And it became even more complicated beginning of 2022 when both uh, LinkedIn and Facebook Meta decided to axe uh, sensitive targeting on their platforms. And among the sensitive targeting, you find the religious keywords like halal. So you cannot, uh, it's more complicated even now, uh, even more complicated now, sorry, to, to look for professionals on these platforms. So that's why we created Wasabe, um, so that there is one platform where it will be easy for them to find vendors, suppliers, partners, um, certification agencies, and everything that they need in order to grow in the halal economy. So we appeal to Muslims and non-Muslims because a lot of professionals in the halal economy are not Muslims. Um, for instance, one of the, the biggest uh, food producer is Nestle and Nestle is a conventional business. And a lot of people at Nestle are not Muslims, yet they promote uh, halal products. And, um, and so we, we want to help all these professionals connect and, um, and be the reference, the point of contact uh, if they need anything in the halal economy. So we also provide other actionable help on the platform, for instance, news about the halal economy, um, focus uh, groups to discuss any matter related to the halal economy. We notably have a, a very uh, active group on women in tech, uh, tech sisters, it's called, for uh, Muslim and non-Muslim women who are in tech and want to grow in uh, in the halal economy particularly. Either they address um, a Muslim country or their end consumers and customers are Muslims or are people who share these values and are looking for halal services and halal products. We'll be right back after the break. Tech Talks brings you stories from around the world that will help you understand how crypto and Islamic finance can change our lives for the better. Subscribe and follow us to keep learning. Great. Thank you so much for that introduction. So I guess um, the question that I have, or rather for the sake of the listeners, can you tell us a little bit about what constitutes the halal economy, number one? And number two, what are the major misconceptions uh, that people have towards this concept called the halal economy? Uh, so actually, this is something that I've discovered recently when I was uh, living in Malaysia. Uh, I lived in Malaysia from 2017 until uh, 2021, um, so four years. And uh, this is where I got more familiar with the halal economy. Uh, Malaysia is the leading hub in the halal economy. It's really a reference. Um, their the halal certification uh, delivered by Jakim is one of the most rigorous and uh, respected in the world. They have more than 50 bilateral agreements. Uh, it's extremely hard to get it um, because they don't look just at the end product. But they look at the whole value chain. For instance, um, uh, are your suppliers uh, halal? Um, how do you do things? Is there any like money laundering, uh, these kind of things? So it's really, really complete. Um, and, uh, and I think that the misconception is that halal is just about the end product. Uh, it's whether you have pork or alcohol uh, inside a product. That's basically it. But no, it's uh, because it's a way of life. It's, it, 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 it's not just the halal economy, but actually in the halal economy, we have two concepts, halal, so permissible, and tayyib, which is uh, ethical, pure, and uh, and these are together under the umbrella of the halal economy. So that's, I think, 
uh, one of the misconceptions that, that uh, we are facing. And so for me, and the way we define it on Wasabi, um, and that's why we appeal to professionals who are Muslims and non-Muslims, we, we want to, to bring this idea that it's only about the end product with no pork or no alcohol, uh, but it's, uh, uh, it concerns the whole value chain and the whole ethical way of doing along the whole value chain until you get, uh, as a consumer, the end product or end service. It's very interesting. So um, I, I think, I'm not sure if you're Muslim or not, but uh, are you? I am, I am not. And actually, that's, that's also a good point. If I may, sorry, I'm to interrupt you because I think it might be uh, enlightening for, for the people who are going to watch and listen to us. Uh, I'm not a Muslim. Um, I, I adhere to these values. Uh, I, I really think that it's important that we do not focus on just uh, the immediate pleasure that we get from buying a service or, 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 or product, but we need to think long term. What kind of world do we want to live for our children? Uh, what kind of values do we want to defend in our lives? And um, and and I think that the team that we that we are creating, uh, Mamadou and I, really reflects the diversity of the halal economy in our team. So mm -hmm. I am not a Muslim. I'm French. I live in Bangkok. <laughs> um, Mamadou is French and Senegalese. Um, he's a Muslim, and he lives uh, now in Senegal. Uh, so we have people who are Muslims, non-Muslims, men, women. Um, founders, executives, uh, people who who work um, in various sectors, and uh, but we are all united by these values, and we all want to be able to serve good products to consumers. Who also we hope are, we help that we help educate them into buying these kind of services and products that are halal. Tell me a little bit about your story towards, um, you know, entering into the halal economy because you're not a Muslim. So you didn't obviously grow up in that, um, quote unquote system, halal, you know, halal think way of thinking, but you share the values as you've said. So how did you merge those two, your values and then ending up in the halal economy? So I think, well, first I, I am, a, uh, was born a Catholic in a Catholic family. Um, and, uh, and I do believe that um, if you look at the main religions or philosophies or beliefs uh, in the world, we are united by, by the same principles. Uh, be good, try to do good, try to pay forward, um, do not be selfish. Um, and, and these are values that you can find. I mean, it's common sense. For, but common sense is not common at all. So that's also, uh, I think it, it's, key, it's key to emphasize it. But for me, it was very easy to, to, to see the common points between my education as a Catholic um, and the values of the halal economy. Uh, it's true that in France, there is a kind of, uh, the way we see the halal economy, it's uh, through the lens of communities. And, um, and I would say that halal is either for, you are either for or against. Um, but it's really, I think, uh, very narrow-minded from to see it that way uh, because these values are universal. And, and I think that when we see um, the, all the ESG uh, or, or uh, principles or, or things that are defended by, by the UN as well, the, uh, try to, to make things in a more sustainable way, to, try to, to look for alternative um, uh, energy, uh, energies and so on. Uh, we are more and more mindful um, about the way we do things um, 
in business and in our daily lives uh, within, for instance, the, our uh, within the family, uh, within more of a, a private uh, area. Um, so hopefully, I think minds are changing. And for me, it was very easy to 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 move from, uh, I mean, to associate my upbringing uh, with the values that I find in the halal economy. And I'm very glad that uh, I get to promote it through Wasabi. So I'm going to actually involve Murad in this discussion now because Murad also did some business within the halal economy in Europe. And I know that back then and also several, 20 years ago, I think, or 15, um, there's really strong polemic around the word halal. Um, and maybe Murad, tell us about what you were doing and how do you feel about how things have changed from way back then, 15 years ago, to how it is today? Yeah. Uh, thank you, uh, Diane, for sharing your, your story. Um, very enlightening. Uh, yeah, I mean, the halal economy, as um, Diane is uh, sharing, it's true that uh, we as human beings, we want to make sure we're consuming things that are good for our body. So it doesn't reflect, it, does, it doesn't appeal only to the, 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 the Muslim, but also to all monotheist religion. When you look at it, uh, the Jewish actually are even uh, using a process of examining the animal that they're going to slaughter to eat, for example, and they do slaughter. Likewise, for the Christian, when you look at the early Christian, they were using the same technique at how to raise an animal, how to make sure it's well-fed, well-treated, and then well-killed in a sense, not by chemicals or a hammer or whatever atrocity uh, that we see today, even in, in Europe. Uh, so they kind of look at how uh, bad uh, Muslims are doing it in a savage way sometimes, which is misunderstood, is actually the most cleanest way to end the life of an animal without making them suffer. And at the end of the day, uh, you, we're using uh, animals that are uh, good for the consumption, of the human being, and we're not using animals that are not uh, good for the consumption. Uh, okay, so that's something also clear. We will not use uh, different type of meat. Then, when it comes so like twenty years ago, like Sharon was mentioning, uh, when I first uh, introduced the halal concept uh, into uh, into Europe, uh, I think most of the European country were kind of okay, but. In France, it was mostly seen as a community or community, community uh, product using uh, uh, the word halal was not something perceived right, okay, among not really the masses, but really the political uh, people, you know. Uh, the masses, they could care less. <laughs> the masses, they were like, wow, that's better, fine. And they would go and shop actually to a local uh, halal butcher. Uh, because the meat was better, and I, I, I heard, I hear it, I was hearing it all the time from among my French friends. They're like, "Wow, I went to these uh, butchers, and uh, the quality is there, is good." And I feel, and then when they go into details, how how well fed is the animal, and so on and so forth, with organic product, because it's all about the, the chain, okay? That makes, uh, you know, if you feed the animal with, uh, uh, I don't know, like. Uh, gasoline cereal or whatever you're gonna make end up eating the wrong animal in the in the halal concept you have to make sure they need they need to eat organic stuff so it was really a political tools i would say to the end of a few 
Okay, but the mass of the French people, they could care less, you know. Uh, they, like I said, they were going to for what is good for their body. Uh, likewise, you would see the big players, uh, Burger King at the time, uh, KFC and all those guys, uh, you know, the like of uh, uh, Do Chicken, you know. They move completely the, the, the chain of production into a halal chain of production because for them it was like better, the the quality was better and also they were appealing to both community you know and actually all community you know in order for them to do one line and when you see uh, the growth growing interest into the halal component uh, with the growing of the population globally that was making sense because when do was making chicken in france for the muslim community and non-muslim community alike they were looking at the largest uh, out, outside market Middle East, uh, uh, you know, Southeast Asian market, asking for even Africa, asking for halal chicken. So it was making uh, economical sense for the the French uh, industry uh, to actually move into that space. And they were really early in the game, to be honest. Uh, but the problem, they were not able uh, to promote it as halal within the halal uh, within the French market. That was it. So the feeling that I, I used to have, they were the first people actually to support, uh, to support the industry, to play with local uh, certified halal uh, players, to make it halal completely. Uh, so yeah, so that was a, a bit of a struggle. Of course, you you had a lot of bad players trying to make, um, uh, try to to make some quick buck into the fast-growing uh, segment, which was at the time the meat and uh, halal food industry. But overall, the market was able to adjust. The Muslim consumer and the French consumer were actually more uh, careful on which brand they were going to use and which brand they were going to buy and identify. And there were a lot of uh, great uh, players. And that's why, you know, when I hear the story of Diane and uh, Mamadou, bringing this uh, transparent uh, market of uh, you know early adopters to the, the the industry and bringing relevant players to really connect uh, the the world because it's really a global opportunity it's not only at the french uh, market level it's it's amazing so to see that uh, finally uh, taking shape i would say you know Yes, and um, and what you said about the, the, the mindset is absolutely right. Uh, on our platform, we also have uh, professionals who are not who do not have yet uh, any halal certified products or service, um, but they are what we call impact businesses. They are into green tech. They're into things that are uh, more sustainable. Uh, they are already clean. Uh, we have, for instance, uh, cosmetics that are cruelty free, chemical free. So they just miss this extra step of being certified to then be able to appeal and be identified as clean, ethical, pure also by the Muslim community. And uh, something interesting as well that we can see happening in, in Asia is that um, in Taiwan, in the Philippines, that are not Muslim countries at all, uh, some brands show in their social media, uh, like for instance, Yakult in the Philippines, the, the drinking yogurt, says uh, they, they posted a few months ago a, a post showing uh, the, the halal certification to say, thanks to this label, you, you know that we do things the right way and it's good for you. It's good for the planet. And, um, and I think that the, I find it very interesting that uh, the mindsets uh, are, are shifting slowly. 
um, and uh, and hopefully that uh, that will also change the perception that some people may have about uh, about halal products and the halal economy. So, so this is actually very interesting that you're you're saying that okay now the the word halal and halal certification has become a mark of quality. It's like a you know ISO two thousand something quality uh, assurance. Now here's the problem. We'll be right back after the break. We believe that the financial system is broken and that our banks and insurance companies don't have our best interests at heart. We've built Tekaturn to help us get together as a community to save earn and access credit. Join us today and discover how you can grow your savings while helping others. Problem though, Muslims, unfortunately, we don't agree on anything. And even when it comes to halal, you know, we're frequently arguing about what is permissible and what is not. Uh, Even something as simple as food, which, you know, normally it's quite unambiguous, but with technology that comes about. So I know there's this um, argument about how do you when they have those automated uh, slaughter lines, is it is that allowed? So they're slaughtering chickens instead of by hand. You cannot do this at scale. So you still need machines to do the slaughtering. So they, they pass them through the machines and it's slaughtering. It's the machine that's doing the slaughtering and there's like, like a loudspeaker that goes bismillah in the background. And people are debating, is this allowed? Is this not allowed? And so this is, is, this is troublesome. So how do we you know resolve these issues? Does halal certification work? And Will people agree on halal certifica- certification, especially as we go global and scale? Uh, well, we are not a certification agency ourselves, and um, and I would leave that to experts. Uh, what I can comment on is the evolution of halal certifications, and I can see that, for instance, Indonesia is more and more integrating the whole supply chain into the the, the, the way they are certifying uh, products. Um, Malaysia is already quite advanced in that in the matter. Uh, they, they they took into account the whole value chain. Even if your supplier is in Europe or in North Africa, they are going to look at everything. Um, I think that there is also, uh, I mean, we need to trust these kind of, of certification agencies, um, but it doesn't mean that uh, that we shouldn't look for the best certification. So obviously there are so many certifications out there. Um, uh, for now, I know that the most rigorous one, uh, are, uh, ones are uh, Malaysia and uh, Singapore and Indonesia to some extent as well. Uh, and these, with these three certifications, you are, it's very easy to be able to grow globally and, and be uh, recognized elsewhere and be able to export your products. Um, and, uh, and I think it's the role of the consumer as well to drive the change, like refuse to go for products or services that we believe are not ethical or not as good as they should be. But this, I mean, it's, it's a two-way discussion. Uh, definitely, there must be an, an impulsion from the top. Uh, but it's at the end of the day, it's the consumer who is going to decide how to spend their money. Yeah, it's true. Um, this thing is actually not as simple as it seems because you, you mentioned health certification for supply chains, which makes absolute sense. And those things are actually... Uh, you know, they're physical, you can, you can track them, you can see them. But then you want to talk about now, how about something like Islamic finance? Uh, those don't really have a certifying body. Most of the times they have Sharia boards and they have yes. auditors. How about things like modest fashion? What, 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 what counts as modest fashion? Uh, travel, you say halal travel. Again, what is halal travel? Um, so it, it's a, it's a big can of worms then. I'm, I'm wondering how do 
what is your thought? What are your thoughts on this? Um, so if I look at, for instance, uh, I think travel is a very good example because it's one of the most, the fastest growing part of the economy in the, within the halal economy. Um, even during COVID, actually, uh, domestic travels, domestic tourism has continued to grow uh, within Middle Eastern and African countries, within Southeast Asian countries as well. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting example. Um, I don't think that you can be completely halal uh, in, in tourism, but you can take steps to make it more ethical, to try to, for instance, not have uh, anything that has to do with prostitution or drugs or uh, just alcohol in your room. But, but there, there's also be beyond, the, which would be a, a, more, a more complete, like Muslim-friendly uh, tourism. But even there are even just very simple steps that can be implemented just in order to be more Muslim friendly. For instance, uh, indicate the Qibla in the room, um, have a Quran there. And actually some hotels, they have Quran, Bible, Torah, like all of that in the room so that everyone can, can find the, can feel at home. That's what we want. If you want a, a tourist to come and to come back, you ha have to make them feel at home. Um, and, and, and actually, that's the kind of tourists that we want. We want loyal customers. We don't want people who are just going to come in order to take drugs in the, in the room and then leave and never come back. No, that's, that's not, this is not sustainable in the long run. Um, so uh, I, I believe that there is a, a key role for uh, all, all uh, actors in tourism, whether it's uh, um, rest, uh, restaurants or hotels or activities, to try to go for something that would be seen as ethical, family-friendly, Muslim-friendly, um, or at least respectful of any faith. Uh, and, and this is not so complicated to do. Uh, actually, we are, we, we are working together with Crescent Rating um, because they have, a, a, I mean, Crescent Rating uh, rates uh, venues in uh, with stars according to how Muslim friendly they are all around the world. And uh, they have developed a, a consultancy service. Um, and so if any hotel venue wants to know more about it and what are the actionable steps that they can take, feel free to go come to Wasabi and reach out to us uh, and to Crescent Rating. There, there are very, very easy things to do um, to at least start, like put the base, uh, the basics there. If I may, so what I see, um, uh, Diana, and correct me if I'm wrong, I see a very, very big uh, growth uh, in uh, in the demand for the halal industry in every single uh, vertical, you know, from the food, from the cosmetic, fashion, uh, you know, also staying. So do you see this trend, you know, do you see this trend going further up? And why is it a good time for the people who haven't yet included um, a halal component in their business model? Uh, and what are they missing out? So I want to hear from you. Uh, yes. What's the trend? What's happening? What's, and is it something that they might miss completely or they are just, just in denial or what? Just I want to hear about that. So it's a growing market, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, so it is a growing market. Uh, it is already big. Uh, if you only take Muslims on Earth, there are 2 billion Muslims on Earth. So one-fourth of the world population. 
Uh, by 2030, there will be 2.2 billion Muslims. Uh, Africa now represents 27% of the world uh, Muslim population. 27% of the world Muslim population lives in Africa and it's the youngest continent. Um, but for now, the, I think that uh, now is the right time to enter it because this economy is getting structured slowly. Uh, consumers are more and more aware of, uh, the, of being just mindful to have a look at a halal label or try to go for halal products, even if they, they, don't, they don't have the label, but go through the ingredients, go through the processes, just to be more mindful about their, their, their consumption's uh, choices. Um, and it's getting organized slowly. So I think that all these factors, the fact that it's already, it's already big, uh, but uh, more and more people are looking for halal products and services um, that are not Muslims, that Muslims themselves uh, are more aware of uh, how mindful they should be about their, their consumption choices. And uh, the fact that the professionals now get, are getting organized and they have a platform like Wasabi, for instance, to do so, that now is the right time to to start and enter. Do you have any story about uh, maybe a, a, an industry or some people reaching out to you and say, yes. hey, you know what, <laughs> what are we missing here? Any, any, I mean, good story in that segment to share yes. or maybe in the hotel industry, whatever you have in mind? Yes, yes, definitely. So for instance, uh, I, have an, I have an example with, uh, I have several examples, but I have one in Thailand, um, good and green, and I would say hi to Selina if she is here. So Selina uh, was born in the south of Thailand, and the southern Thailand is uh, where you will find the, the biggest proportion of Muslims in Thailand, which is uh, mainly a Buddhist country. Um, but she is, she is a Buddhist, she's not a Muslim. Um, but because she was born and raised in uh, southern Thailand, she has been uh, surrounded by people who are doing things um, in in a mindful way, and uh, and so she started this uh, this company, Good and Green, where uh, she basically has a farm in the south of Thailand, um, growing everything organically using no chemicals. Uh, employing women, trying to have a fair price and fair wages, um, and uh, we, we, she, she contacted me because she was part. Uh, she's part of a network of women called We Can, uh, for women entrepreneur can, uh, and uh, and she she said, oh, well, uh, actually, you you were the missing piece, kind of. Uh, I am from Southern Thailand. I'm familiar with um, with the halal economy. But it never occurred to me that actually there was an opportunity there. So now she's on Wasabe. She's looking for partners to help her grow in the halal economy. And, uh, and so that's why uh, she reached out to me and she's now on Wasabe. And she left a, a wonderful testimonial for the, the launch of our app. Uh, so hopefully you will be able to hear it very soon uh, when we are uh, launching the campaign for our mobile app. Yeah, so... You know, you brought up uh, something which is kind of um, interesting. Um, a lot of Muslims, and this is something we face as well. So we, we also have a platform that is Sharia compliant and it is really for the world, but uh, we, we have a target market of Muslims at the, in the early stages. But one of the, the, the troubles that we face is Muslims have a great fear <laughs> and great skepticism when somebody 
says something is halal and tries to market a product as halal uh, or Sharia compliance because there's this concept of, okay, you are just saying this because you're trying to market to us. You know, this is a, a form of halal washing, but it's a marketing ploy more than it is sincere. Uh, how do you see this? And this is something you've come across. Um, well, we can't deny that there is a business opportunity. And why, why should we uh, uh, not acknowledge it? I mean, obviously, it is a business opportunity. And, and I think that if we are able to grow and make profit on top of defending values, then let's do it. <laughs> After all, it's um, we're not doing everything pro bono. Uh, I mean, the world would be a perfect place yeah, if everything no, was no, just... I... It, it's not it's, about, it's not so much the profit motive. I'll give you an example, a more concrete one. So the banks, okay. So uh, tr the Islamic banking, Islamic finance tradition came traditionally from normal conventional banks who deal with very un-Islamic things. So they essentially say, okay, we are dealing with um, riba interest. We are dealing with all kinds of things which are not permissible in Islam, but we're going to create this yes. separate uh, entity, balance sheet, window, whatever you want to call it, which only deals with halal. Now, the, I mean, Sharia compliant finance. Yes. The problem with that is that as Muslims, we're like, so the money is mixed because money is not fungible. So it's like going back and forth. But you're telling me this is all Sharia compliance. There's a distrust immediately. Yes. And, and I think that you, you said it yourself in the first sentence that you said, it's backed by conventional banking, banking systems. And, and as long as that's the case, obviously it's, it is not trustworthy. And actually it, it's even not so interesting and not so uh, um, uh, interesting yet financially for the clients uh, of these banks. Uh, because as long as it is backed on this kind of um, capitalist system, uh, you cannot avoid, uh, I mean, you, you cannot do everything in an, in an, in the Sharia compliant way. So unless there, we are able to, to completely get out of that system and relaunch a new system, uh, yes, it's going to stay controversial. But there are some, uh, some initiatives here and there, notably, um, through, uh, coins and cryptocurrency, uh, because they are, so I know that there is a lot of debate whether it's uh, Sharia compliant or not, but they, there are some coins, for instance, Islamic coin. Uh, I've met uh, the founder several months ago uh, and um, and they have a Sharia board and they are completely like out of the uh, usual capitalist system of banking. Um, so let, let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm, I do have faith in the in humanity. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, we will find a way to make things uh, that work for everyone. And if someone wants to go through the conventional banking system, they will have the possibility to do so. And if people want to go for uh, Islamic finance uh, banking systems, and uh, they will be able to do so as well. So hopefully progress as well and, and progress and tech uh, are on our side. Yeah, no, you, you've brought up uh, my sweet spot, which is cryptocurrencies. So you're 100, I 100% agree with you that as long as we do not create a new infrastructure, or we're stuck with this old conventional uh, banking infrastructure, which uses fiat currency, which is inherently interest-based, we're never going to actually have Islamic finance. So crypto is really the new frontier for us, and it's something that needs to be built for the Muslims. 
But you also brought up Islamic coin, which is unfortunately currently getting so much fire and so much hate yes. from the Muslim community who are essentially saying there's nothing Islamic about this project. Now, having said that, we actually, Murad actually knows the founder and I think he has positive things to say about the founder. But at the same time, that perception is very negative from the Muslim community. Um, and this is an issue that uh, well, I will, I, will not, I will not comment on the life or even differ on other people's project because as long as I and personally don't do due diligence deeply, I try to stay away from the from the uh, you know the media, social media uh, uh, are very quite uh, fast to 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 build or destroy the people in the same way. So again. Uh, I had a call and, uh, you know, as long as projects are not, uh, you know, um, clearly defined and uh, 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 well defended by the founders themselves, I don't have any uh, position and I will not even mention good or bad things about it because clearly I don't know. So, and I'm not the type of person who would just uh, uh, auto-react that fast especially with the harm of the social media today. It could be a competitor talking about them. It could be there. I don't know. So let's do the homework, our homework, and be a, a careful consumer on anything we do. And there's no advice I would give on anything here. But what I want to really say, I would say that when we're talking about the halal in general, when we started with the food, the hotel industry, but you name it, we are always missing the one one of the main uh, driver for this industry is how do we also borrow and support financially those halal project because if now a project a farming project is based on riba and stuff like that but i wouldn't say that the the what you're going to eat from the farm will be not halal but having halal way of financing and that's where we're coming in it's how can we now uh, um, step in and bring uh, financial support uh, in a halal way, you know, in, uh, you know, uh, investing in halal project to help them grow. Uh, and that's one of the things. And that, and as you guys men were mentioning, we were talking about conventional banking, but now there's Islamic banking coming on board that many of them are completely uh, halal proof, I would say, and they, they, they shy away from whatever the conventional uh, other institution are doing and try to have a pool of liquidity that comes from on, only the network of other Islamic banking, whatever. The other, and then they are sitting on a lot of cash themselves so they can support even the, the ecosystem if they wanted to. Uh, but now uh, another interesting thing is like going into uh, yeah, uh, how we can leverage uh, cryptocurrency to build an uh, ecosystem uh, that will help, uh, you know, finance those projects, you know. Yes, if I may, so uh, before going for for, for funds, uh, well, there are some initiatives, for instance, I can think of Ethis uh, in Malaysia, which is a crowd, crowdfunding platform, uh, very ethical and, and, uh, and, and promoting or showcasing uh, projects that are uh, really based, I mean, Halal economy based, uh, but but before that, and that's for now how uh, Wasabi has been uh, has been growing. It's uh, really with um, uh, with partnerships, and that's also why I think Wasabi is so important for halal professionals or professionals who want to enter the halal economy. It's the the power of partnerships and the power of a community, being able to find trustworthy partners, to be able to um, 
to meet with uh, with people who are like-minded just to inform yourself about what is going on in the halal economy um i think this is this is what makes the strength of uh, mm. of, of wasabi uh, and uh, because before before going for funds it's also about how do we grow together we how do i find someone who uh, is an expert in the halal economy which is a market that i want to enter uh, how do mm. how do i get uh, uh, more information maybe by attending a conference a b2b conference uh, and we provide the list of, of uh, halal B2B events and conference, whether they're online or on-site or hybrid uh, on Wasabi. So we can already start with that. And mm. and then everyone is uh, has the, the freedom of choice. And uh, importantly, has we need to make a clear due diligence. Uh, and it's not because you work in the halal economy that you are uh, that you are trustworthy. And it's not because you are Muslim or not Muslim that you are trustworthy or not trustworthy. So it's mm. it's all about our own responsibility as well as uh, as businessmen and businesswomen. So let's take this conversation back to Wasabi. Um, I guess you mentioned that um, it, it is a platform to bring trusted parties together. Is there some kind of due diligence that you do on the people who join? Uh, and what are sort of the criteria that you're looking for for them to be able to participate in this network? So yes, we we ask them uh, what is the level of uh, what do they want uh, by joining the platform? Uh, are they uh, not yet? Uh, they don't have yet uh, halal certified products or services, uh, but they are curious about it. Are they experts? Are they potential event organizer, event uh, event ex- exhibitors? So we ask these several questions so that we can match them better. Um, but again, it's not up to us to do the whole due diligence uh, because anyways, it's upon, I mean, you declare what you want to declare and we're not going to control everything. Again, it has to be the responsibility of business people and uh, and just like you would do in real life and just like you should do as, as well on social media before, before giving uh, all the information about your personal life and where you are with whom and so on, you have to be careful. And, and this is... Uh, the, we, we are not going to replace the uh, human intelligence. So let's be, let's be um, mindful and, and, uh, and, and obviously, because we want to be able to, to promote the halal economy also to professionals and businesses who are not yet in the halal economy, but who are impact businesses, who want to know more, and we're not going to shut the door uh, to, to these businesses. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So do you think you will see yourselves uh, in the role of helping people understand more about what halal is and what to look out for when they're doing their DD? Because the reality is we're trying to connect the non-Muslims who maybe don't understand or they, they want to get into the halal economy, they don't know how, and people who purport to know. Um, and so you have to give them the tools, or at least I think you would need to give them the tools to, to figure that out. Yes, yes, and uh, and actually, it's um, so we are going to launch very soon a mobile app uh, in September. Uh, we are rebranding our whole uh, homepage, um, describing the values of the platform as well. Um, on uh, in the app itself, uh, there are some rules, uh, community rules, like nothing, nothing completely uh, weird or crazy. Um, common sense again, um, and uh, and. I don't think that in the future we will take this role of really um, doing the whole due diligence for people, but definitely educating them. And that's our role as a platform uh, and as a brand 
to continuously provide content that will help them educate themselves. Then up to you if you want to read or if you don't want to read, if you want to listen or watch, it's up to you. Um, but I think it, it is it is important for us to be able to provide this kind of information to uh, to professionals who want to enter the halal economy. A quick uh, question before I wanted to know the use of blockchain into the halal industry as well. Is it have you ever come across any uh, verification or even a blockchain solution when it comes to verifying whatever has been done and having like uh, maybe um, a more uh, trusted trusted uh, sources of uh, outsourcing your you, you, you know you, the connector that you're building you know so i have not come across um uh, yet uh, anything using the blockchain but uh um actually we are working on something uh but i cannot talk about it yet but we're working on, on something uh, with partners Come on, Diana, just uh, give us some juice that we can be uh, um, waiting for this to happen. Come on. How, how, I mean, there are so many ways that uh, progress and technologies can help us uh, do things in a better way if it's properly used. Um, so I think that uh, the blockchain, by the fact that it's completely decentralized, um, uh, can help us in terms of, of traceability. Uh, and that's what we want to leverage. I cannot say more. <laughs> and, and, and personally as well, I want to know about you personally. Have you been, you know, uh, do you have an exchange or a wallet or have you tried your friends, you, anybody trying to influence you to get into crypto? Or do you have crypto or do you do anything in that space that uh, no, you want to share? No, I don't. And to be very honest, I'm, I'm being extremely careful with uh, with what I do not know, and I, if I enter this uh, uh, crypto or if I enter uh, any any new tech, uh, I want to be able, like I would do, like for instance, if I one day I want to invest invest in forex, which I don't do yet. I am just like you said before. I want to know what I am stepping into before I step into that. So. For now, I am so busy with Wasabe and uh, with uh, with our partners. We are go we are going to be at Halal Expo Indonesia, uh, with which we are partnering. So it's one of the biggest uh, Halal Expo in the world, and they're turning uh, they are expanding to B two B, and Wasabe will be there to support this B two B expansion with our business matching platform. Um, so th this kind of projects already takes. Uh, so much of my time. Much of your time, yes, definitely. So yeah. When I have time, yeah. definitely there are so many things that I want to do, um, and uh, and looking more in, into crypto and how how it can help in terms of um, promoting Islamic finance. Um, this is this is something that really interests me. But for now, I I do not know enough myself, so I will just uh, refrain from yeah. from saying anything. Very cool. So um, last question, outside of uh, Islamic finance, food and uh, travel, which you talked about, what are some of the leading sectors or the high growth sectors in the halal economy you see today? Mm. Um, well, halal cosmetics uh, in Southeast Asia and in Asia, I would say, uh, well, we know I, I am in Thailand and, and it's uh, a, a lot of things uh, happen in terms of cosmetics, uh, but South Korea as well, Japan as well. 
Um, so I, I find it interesting that because it's cruel, I mean, all the halal cosmetics that I've come across, they have uh, the the Jakim or Sikot or some kind of label that really states, uh, states that they are halal. And on top of that, they write that they're vegan, they're uh, cruelty-free, they're chemical-free. And for me, I think it's, uh, it's something that more and more women are being careful of, uh, how to be beautiful, but naturally, without damaging your, your skin, without damaging your hair, uh, without damaging the planet with chemicals or, or, or pets uh, and animals. <laughs> so uh, I, I can see a, a growing trend there. Um, because more and more now people uh, still want to look young and uh, and beautiful and want to feel good in their own skin, uh, whoever for themselves just to 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 find themselves attractive in the mirror, um, and uh, and so I, I can see that it's a, it's a growing trend, and uh, and non-Muslims uh, notably are very sens- uh, sensitive to this uh, to, to 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 these kinds of arguments. Um, I can see that uh, uh, when it comes to to food, actually, uh, a lot of organic uh, products now also go for the halal certification. Um, I mean, beyond just the classical, I would say, halal food, this comes from already uh, vegan brands or organic brands that shift, I mean, shift, add to, to their vegan or, or organic uh, labels, the halal label. Um, there's a, to, we have tourism in, in, uh, in every, we already talked about it, but definitely it's, it's a growing, uh, growing trend. And, uh, and after COVID, the revenge consumption of uh, travel, uh, ho- uh, hotels, restaurants uh, show that it's going to continue to grow. Um, and, uh, and with the Middle Eastern countries, and North African countries as well. The, the middle class of these uh, of these regions uh, is growing. Uh, they have more purchasing power and they want to travel. Uh, so, I mean, if you are a professional in tourism, definitely you should think about uh, uh, about uh, being able to cater for 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 these people. Yeah, it would be uh, interesting to see uh, how we could collaborate as well, uh, and then see because, as you mentioned. Uh, this disposable income coming and uh, the massive uh, growth of the population among the Muslim. And they, as you say, the first thing they do, they invest in themselves, which is uh, the education. They would invest in their home and then eventually invest in the garden and then travel as well. And uh, one of the most fastest uh, key uh, uh, component, now key search for most of the Muslim is investment. Uh, because again, they have disposable income and the money, as you know, uh, depreciate on a daily basis. If you hold, if you hold a fiat currency and you, are, you don't edge against inflation, your dollar will be worth less and less, you know, uh, over time. And especially in country where there is no access to even old dollars. So they, they're holding in their own currency, like in, in Indonesia, I just came back from Indonesia. The depreciation of their currencies uh, is crazy. Same thing for Malaysia, even though they're backed by uh, US dollars and also in Turkey and Lebanon. So what we see a lot among the Muslim population now is like if they're earning good into the local currency, they want to make sure they can edge against inflation. Hence, starting looking to alternative way of buying 
uh, currency that will stable and or keep the currency going, the likes of the stable coin, Bitcoin, Ethereum, some of those things. Hence, we are moving into that uh, segment and try to to educate people, you know, uh, on how to age against inflation and how to save, how to, and in order for you to go to your next vacation. So, uh, having said that, happy to uh, discuss. Uh, I mean, happy to wrap up these things. I like sharing to let you maybe. Uh, actually there's another trend that we that we have seen uh, because we we, uh, we also started to enter the African markets uh, recently with wasabi um, and we were notably uh, managing a hala pavilion at an event and uh, and we see the growing interest of uh, of countries where you have a majority of Muslims uh, but they are not yet aware of uh, what it means to to choose halal products and services or even to live to live a halal way of life. Uh, but they start to. And, and I can see that there are a lot, a lot of young entrepreneurs who are, who want to make an impact. And actually it's just one step away from, from launching a halal business. Um, the issue is how do we get uh, investors? How do we get the help? How do we get the grants even from the state? Uh, and why should we do things in a halal way? If maybe it's um, it's faster to grow by not doing things ethically, um, but slowly yeah. now I think that governments are are seeing this this missed opportunity, and and actually the the big opportunity ahead uh, that lies into helping these entrepreneurs do things uh, in an ethical way from the start, because if you do so, then you compete, uh, you are able to compete with products from Europe from Southeast Asia, because it will be immediately of good quality rather than go for um, price competition, uh, which is going to completely kill your margin. And at the yeah. end of the day, uh, not be useful for, for the community or for the planet. Yeah, I mean, you know, the good news that you just mentioned, Diane, is that, you know, a few years back, like, you know, 20 years ago, when you used to launch a business, the only alternative that you had was to um, go to a bank and uh, ask the bank to finance you and uh, to get your business going. Uh, thanks God, in the past 15 years, we see the rise of uh, venture capital. And uh, what, we see, uh, what we see with venture capital is that um, they are able to invest as a uh, equity investment, which means taking risk and rewards within you on investment. So hence you see the rise of a lot of Muslim entrepreneurs and being part of that ecosystem because we have finally we are finally able to raise money from from partners in a in a Sharia compliance way with those venture capital. Even though they might have some clauses that might not be completely shy, you can still remove those clauses and make it happen. But the exciting things is the first time in the, in the past 10 years that you're able to really do the halal way. And the halal way is that partnership, not alone for interest base as a bank is I come as an angel, I come as a venture capital, and I want to be part of your success and risk and make the, the ratio risk sharing ratio with you and willing to make it 
or, or, or lose it. And that's what is again is a, is a Sharia <laughs> concept that is coming around, you know, mm. that uh, is reviving. And that's uh, very exciting to see that actually. And, and actually, so, you, you already find it in some uh, in some uh, countries that are not Muslims, uh, Muslim countries. For instance, in Germany, um, it's a, a long-term tradition for uh, banks from the Bundesländer uh, to to back like local companies, and they're really. I find it interesting that in, uh, for instance, in Germany, and that's also why the. The, the, the number of SMEs, expert SMEs in the domain in, uh, in Germany is quite impressive. It's because as long as people understand that actually it's not, uh, I'm not there to just make money uh, and that's it, but that there is a, a, a long-term play at stake, um, then people start to think differently. Uh, and that's also why I think that the new generation of VCs or CVCs um, that are more I mean, not just uh, silent partners, but who want to understand and genuinely believe in what they are funding, uh, this is going to make a big difference, whether it's for conventional businesses or halal businesses. But obviously, if they, if they really look into things and, uh, and, uh, and believe in the values that you are defending, just like uh, uh, our angel investors believe in, the, in what we are trying to build with Wasabi, uh, then... I don't see why why it can't succeed. Yeah, very cool. Okay, just to to wrap up, I wanted actually to touch on something I was hoping to hear, which was about modest fashion. I uh, special shout out to this sister I just discovered. Her name is Saida Hak, and I think she's based in London. And they have this very she has this very cool streetwear brand. Mm -hmm. She's a Nakabi like me, and they have these. Um, sort of hijab hoodies or something or abaya hoodies or something like that and I and they're launching something with Nike so I thought that was oh. uh, super duper cool um so Diane just give us a uh tell us where we can find you guys what's up how do we yes. uh, join you if uh, for the listeners who want to join you and give us a little insight on uh, how we can reach out to you guys yes so for now, you can reach out to us on wasabeh.com. And we are also on uh, the traditional social media like uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, uh, wasabeh. So the way you write it, it's W-A-S-A-B-I-H, like uh, the Japanese wasabi, which is also a reminder that uh, the halal economy can go up to Japan. <laughs> uh, it's not uh, something that is only for, for the uh, Arabic Peninsula. Um, and uh, and we are soon going to launch our mobile app, which is developed in partnership with Islamic Finder, um, which is uh, a website, islamicfinder.org, uh, based in the, the US. Uh, but they they are they have uh, millions of subscribers uh, and uh, and monthly unique visitors from all around the world. So thank you, big shout out to them for helping uh, for helping us in developing uh, our our mobile app. Um, and uh, and so stay tuned on our social media on or on wasabi.com uh, for the big launch of our mobile app very soon. Thank you so Mabruk, much for this. Yeah, and uh, thank you. It was a pleasure having you and keep it up. It was great having you and looking forward to hear from Mamadou one of these days as well. Saka Talks, exposing financial systems one story at a time.